In honor of Veterans Day, Baker Hostetler presents a special podcast featuring insights and inspiration from Melissa Stockwell, a three-time Paralympic triathlete and the first U.S. woman to lose a limb in active combat. For her service in Iraq, Stockwell was awarded the Bronze Star and received the Purple Heart. However, it is Stockwell's outlook, gained while surrounded by fellow wounded soldiers at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Washington, D.C., that is the most enduring reminder of that day. I'm Amy Cotman, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. On today's special Veterans Day episode, we share excerpts from a recent virtual presentation by Melissa Stockwell about her remarkable story from the battlefields of Baghdad to the Paralympic Games. We thank our event co-sponsors, KPMG, Kroger, and FIS, who joined Baker Hostetler in hosting Melissa. Now, I'm pleased to share with you Melissa's inspiring words and powerful story. Let's listen in. Many years ago, on April 13th of 2004, I woke up that morning in Iraq with both of my legs, and I went to bed that night with just one of my legs. I knew that my chosen profession as a military officer was a high-risk one, but you never think that losing a leg is going to happen to you. And I'm going to tell you that story in just a minute. But first, I want to ask all of you out there a question. If all of you had a sudden, dramatic, impactful situation come into your own life, how would you handle it? So in essence, we all kind of already had with COVID last year. But aside from COVID, if you were to have this traumatic incident happen, what would you do? Would you run from it? Would you tackle it head on, maybe persevere through it, end up better on the other side? Well, I'm here to tell you that you can do just that. And today, right now, I'm going to tell you why. First, I was commissioned as an officer, as a second lieutenant in the United States Army with my once skeptical, but now very proud parents by my side. And I set off into the wide world of the Army. So fast forward a few years to the fateful day of April 13th of 2004. It was just like any other day over in Iraq. Woke up early. We had our briefing on what the day's mission was going to be. Had my uniform on, Kevlar, bulletproof vest. So this day we left the gate and about 10 minutes into the ride, we went under this underpass, this bridge. A vehicle went under it and there was this deafening Boom. Black smoke everywhere. The smell of metal. I look up, the windshields crashed in. Our vehicle is swerving to the left. We, end, we are ricocheting off of a few guardrails. The woman in front is yelling, IED, IED. We've hit an IED, which we all knew meant roadside bomb. Our vehicle eventually crashed into this Iraqi woman's house. And the four other soldiers did exactly what they were taught to do. We had been through situations like this in training, and they knew what to do. They got out of the vehicle. They surrounded it. They pointed their weapons out to assess the situation, to see what we should do next. So myself, well, I started to do just that. I took my seatbelt off. I looked over. I looked down. I knew something was wrong. There was a lot of blood, and I called out, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Lucky for me, there was a combat medic a few vehicles back who heard me calling out. 
he ran up to my vehicle, pulled me out of it, and he laid me there on the sand of my lap. Now, at the time, I had no idea the extent of my injury. Laying on my back, nobody told me what was happening. I know now that my leg was, was gone. It had been severed, and you can imagine the amount of blood being lost. And I was picked up off the battlefield, put in the back of this big five-ton pickup truck, driven to the nearest aid station, put on a helicopter, and flown to the nearest American hospital, which happened to be right in central Baghdad. Wheeled into that hospital, a, a surgeon yelled out, you're safe, you're safe, you're in an American hospital. Rushed into a life-saving surgery. I was told there was a lot of blood being lost. I didn't have much time left. And I woke up, I looked at the surgeon next to me and I said, did something happen to my leg? I still had no idea. And that's what he told me, it's, it's gone. You, um, you don't have it anymore. And I should have said, well, can you look again? Because that's something that's hard to comprehend um, when just a few hours later you had both of your legs. But instead he handed me a phone and said, would you like to call your parents? And I remember dialing up my parents, my mom answering the phone, excited to talk to me and having to stop her pretty quickly and say, mom, something bad happened. And it was then that the surgeon took the phone and explained to her that I had been severely wounded and hearing the anguish of a mother on the other end of the line as she screamed, don't let them take her leg, but it was gone. And some words and a moment that we'll never forget. But from that moment, moving on, choosing to move on. First physically to Launchul, Germany, which is where we went to be stabilized before making the long trip back to the US. Just so happened that my dad and my sister were either living or on business close to Launchul. And the day after this life altering injury, I got to have two immediate family members by my side. Eventually making the trip to Walter Reed Army Medical Center, which at the time is where all the wounded soldiers went from Iraq and Afghanistan. And it was here that my mom met me. And when I was able to kind of come to and look around, I remember I looked around Walter Reed in the hospital there. And I saw soldiers missing two, three, four limbs. And I looked at myself and I thought, holy cow, am I lucky. One leg. That was it. And making a promise then to live my life for those who had given the ultimate sacrifice because too many have and continue to give that ultimate sacrifice. Not to let losing a leg stop me from doing anything that I wanted to do. I did receive a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star, medals I never expected to get, but ones that are proudly displayed in my home. But Walter Reed, they did everything they could. Friends and family came in, the nurses and doctors did everything they could to help us make us feel at home. But you can imagine it's all so tough, 24 years old, and in an instant, I'm missing a leg. So laying there in the hospital, wondering what my life would be like, would I walk, would I run, would I be independent again? But luckily, there at Walter Reed, they did whatever they could to help us pass the time. Most exciting was learning to get my life back. Down on physical therapy, regaining the strength that I had lost from laying in a hospital bed for so long. And then getting fit for my very first prosthetic leg in the series of castings and measurements. And then the day came where they stood me up in the parallel bars, handed me this piece of plastic and metal and said, this is your leg and now you're gonna walk with it. And I remember thinking, how the heck am I gonna walk with this? Stood up in the parallel bars, looked across the physical therapy gym, saw a gentleman missing both of his arms and a leg walking. I really had no excuse. What do you do? You walk, 
and the parallel bars, crutches, a cane, and then the realization that I, my life would go on. I could be independent. The only difference is I was going to have this prosthetic leg that I was going to wear every day. But as soon as I learned to walk, I wanted more. So at Walter Reed, there were these organizations whose missions were to come into our hospital rooms, get us out, and get us out doing things that a lot of times we never do with two legs, much less with one. So I took every opportunity that presented itself. And before I knew it, I was doing a marathon on a bike that I powered with my arms, but 26.2 miles. And then going out to Colorado, learning how to ski, going back to Walter Reed and saying, if I can do that, I can do anything. And it came at a pretty amazing time because someone came to Walter Reed and put a presentation on about the U.S. Paralympics. And I sat in a room and learned that if I dedicated myself to a sport, if I trained hard enough, I could compete on the world's biggest athletic stage as someone with a disability. I could represent a country I defended over in Iraq. And I left that meeting knowing that somehow, some way, I wanted to be a Paralympian. So first I was medically retired from the army. And I decided that I wanted to give becoming a Paralympian a shot in the sport of swimming. I kind of dropped everything, put everything on hold, moved out to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, where I swam, ate, and slept, and swam, and swam, and tried to make this dream a reality. But I went into that, that those trials and learned a pretty cool lesson. Hard work pays off. I took 20 seconds off of 400 freestyle. I broke American records I didn't even know existed. I was so far from them. And my times put me in the top three in the world and punched my ticket to the Beijing 2008 Paralympic Games. And the journey from Baghdad to Beijing, it all kind of made sense. So I swam in three different events. And I wish I could tell you that I did well athletically, but I didn't. Didn't make best times, didn't make finals. And at the end of the biggest meet of my life, I felt like I had let everyone down. My family, my friends, my country, my team. I just knew I could have done better. But at the end of the Paralympic Games, there's a closing ceremonies, and someone is nominated to carry the American flag in and represent the entire U.S. delegation. But I realized that when my teammates nominated me for this honor, that in life, you want the recognition, you want to be on the podium, but it's not always about medals. Sometimes the journey to get there is the destination. Overcoming something that's come your way that you'd never expect, persevering through it, ending up even better on the other side. And walking into the stadium, carrying, carrying an object that I was so passionate about was one of a moment that I'll never forget. So Beijing came, Beijing went, and I mean, how do you beat that? Competing at Beijing, carrying the flag, and well, I went back to Chicago where I lived at the time, and I went back to work in the field of prosthetics. So, we're, so where I had gone back to school to fit, learn how to fit other amputees with artificial limbs. And the reward of literally getting someone back up on their feet and showing them what they can do. But once you're an athlete, you're always an athlete. And I knew I wasn't done with athletics. And in 2009, I was invited to do my very first triathlon. I love the challenge of all three disciplines, being on the same course as able-bodied athletes. And turns out I wasn't so bad at it. And for the next many years, I was able to travel around the nation and the world and compete on both national and world levels, and to become a three-time world champion and cross that finish line with that flag high overhead. 
So it's crazy that it's been 17 years since I lost my leg. Some days it feels like it was yesterday. Other days it feels like it's been every one of those days. So you can imagine that I've learned a lot along the way. I'm sure many of you have learned a lot through the lives that we've all lived. I've learned that life is short, as many of us know more than others, especially after this last year with COVID. But I've also learned, as, as, as cheesy as it can sound, that dreams can come true. And in September of 2016, my dream did come true. I had my son, Dallas. And I was able to get back into peak athletic shape to qualify for the 2016 Rio Paralympic Games. Swimming, biking, running up and down the streets of Copacabana Beach, coming across the finish line, getting a bronze medal that felt like a personal gold on a historic day because my teammates got gold and silver. Standing there, thinking about my life all those years ago, someone tried to take my life. They didn't. They took my leg, but they did not take my spirit, and truly showing the world the power of the American spirit and how much ability is in a disability. So I'm going to start to conclude here. And I, to conclude, I want to share with you a few things, a few more things that I've learned. The hope is that when you turn your computer off, maybe you go to bed tonight, you put your head on your pillow, that you think about these things and maybe they can apply to your own life. So the first is the power of team. You guys, our team. Your family is your team. We all have people around us. And I've been fortunate enough to experience teamwork in all aspects of my life. In the military, teamwork resonated in everything that we did. Nothing says that truer than on April 13th, 2004, my soldier, my teammate, literally saved my life. When I was on that podium in Rio, it wasn't just me up there. It was my team, family, friends, sponsors, everyone that believed in me to get there. We need people in our lives more than ever. People to call when we're having a hard day, to celebrate with you on your successes. Find your team. Find people that you trust in. Find people that you believe in. We're all in this life together. I've also come to realize that we don't give ourselves enough credit on the things that we're capable of doing. So if you would have told me, you would have told 18-year-old Melissa, hey, Melissa, so you're going to join the Army, go to Iraq, lose a leg, persevere through it, be a Paralympian, have a business, have a family. I would have thought there's no way I can do that. But here I am living it. And for me, the catalyst was losing my leg to reach down a little bit deeper into my pocket, find potential that was there all along. I just needed to find it. So the question to all of you is how do you skip that roadside bomb part and find your potential? Well, you start by believing that you can. When you come up to a situation, you say, oh, there's no way I could do blank. Instead, you turn it around and you say, actually, I can do blank. And you fill in that blank with whatever your Paralympic moment may be. You never know what you can do unless you try. So get out there. Try it. We all have turning points. Maybe you've had them. If not, you will. Moments in your life that you can look at and realize that your life changed. And in this hospital bed, I had, from the very beginning, I had two choices. Downhill road and uphill road. We always have a choice. The downhill road, a little bit easier. The why me never choosing to accept it. Or the uphill road, choosing to accept the loss of a leg and to move on. 
And I don't think anybody would have doubted me if I would have said, oh, woe is me. I lost a leg. But instead I chose to say, all I lost is one leg. Now let's get back to living. We all have metaphoric roadside bombs that come into our life. Maybe it's, maybe you lost a job, a loved one, maybe a divorce, whatever it may be, they're hard. And a lot of times we can't stop them from happening, which is even harder. But what we can do is we can choose how we get through them, to persevere through them. And a lot of times we end up even better on the other side. But a year or two ago, this book was published that I wrote called The Power of Choice. And it talks about how we all have the power of choice to choose to live the life that we want to live. It's the beauty of life. We can choose to make it our own. Feel free to check out the book if you would like. But as you read it or as you close your computer today, the next time any of you come across something that you don't expect, maybe it's on your way to work, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, whatever it may be, how are all of you going to choose to get through it, to rise up and to make your life what you want it to be? Once again, we thank Melissa Stockwell for sharing her inspiring story. This Veterans Day and every Veterans Day, we honor the strong and brave veterans who have selflessly served our country. Thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Host are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.